Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Hey, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Post. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Scott. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm giggling. Right before we went on the air, I got a twinge in my wrist. And so I'm like flapping my wrist. None of you can none of you can see it. But I was like, let me take advantage of that and say, hello, Scott. Hi, everybody that's attending. Just hit the hit the hit the mic. It'll be it'll be good. Um so I take it the weather is still wonderful there in Florida because we've got another storm it's, coming in here in California. Never it's ends. Beautiful. It's beautiful. I've been gardening all weekend. That's probably why my wrist hurts. Um, actually my everything hurts i'm not gonna lie <laughs> way t way tmi well you know all the muscles from like my mid back down to my feet hurt way my TMI. <laughs> you know what good for you that helps that helps you sleep it gets the it gets did. it gets the endorphins sleep. going yes yes and we will be talking about hobbies later today so we why will not? we will <laughs> what's um, going on with you scott uh it's still just I think a lot of people know that I went through uh full total knee replacement surgery and I was thinking about this at some point not today uh I have actually started putting together a little toolkit the stuff that they don't tell you about for post-surgery oh. that makes your life so much easier yes and I thought maybe that Michelle at some point it would be interesting I mean I'm still learning still going through stuff um because it was a apparently it was a bigger surgery than I thought it was going to be uh -huh. uh, but just little things that have made my recovery and continue to make my recovery so much easier okay. um so I, I thought like maybe at, at, so I've, I've been playing with that and then uh something I will bring up that I've Think I've told all of you before one of my dirty little secrets is I watch the voice and most of these reality shows because originally I got into them uh -huh. because I love the, the Nash equilibrium I love game theory etc and survivor uh yes. is like the ultimate of group and game theory uh -huh. when you actually watch how it's set aside the players if you yeah. actually watch the game and uh -huh. how it plays out and how they switch up the component parts of it season to season uh, -huh. uh it's a fascinating exploration that ties right in with my studies of poker and things like that uh -huh. right so so the game theory so periodically I I not periodically I watch the voice among others okay. and I was telling Michelle this the other day and we thought it would make a, a good intro for today's show because it's so timely and poignant yeah and that is I'm watching the voice and suddenly Carson Daly comes on and there's a blue square on the screen uh that they're talking about stop Jewish hate and it wow. all it all comes out of and and frankly when I mentioned when I mentioned it to Michelle Michelle even you even said that's a thing well it was like wow and on the voice it was yeah. kind of like to use that that method to to 
be an activist. So, so for those of you that don't know what the message was, and I will bring this up, and let me give you a little bit of background. I'm Jewish, so let's just start with that. Okay. Um, and I will tell you some <laughs> of the stuff I've experienced in my life. Robert Kraft, who I believe is the owner of the New England Patriots, happens to own a foundation called the Foundation to Combat Anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. He put in $25 million of his own money into this campaign that was called hashtag stop Jewish hate and or stand up to stand up to Jewish hate. And it was built around the fact that he was raised as an Orthodox Jewish man. Uh, and by the way, within Judaism, it took me forever, by the way, as a kid growing up, Mm -hmm. raised, raised in a conservative Jewish household to mm -hmm. understand that I always thought there was Jewish and Christian and Muslim, et cetera. I, uh -huh. and I started hearing about all these different forms of Christianity and it was like, I'm mm -hmm. so confused. Oh yeah, there's a ton. And so within Judaism, <laughs> folks, there's Orthodox Judaism, which is the extreme uh, conservative stuff that can well, no, there's the Orthodox. Very mm -hmm. traditional. Then there's Orthodox, pardon me, then there's conservative, which is what I was raised in, where you you get the services partially in Hebrew and partially in English, and you you it's just not as strict. And then there's reform or liberal, mm -hmm. um, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, Robert Kraft was raised Orthodox. Okay. And he created the stand up to Jewish hate. And what Carson Daly did, it was it was kind of cool. It was this little blue square that showed up on your screen. And he said, if you look at that, this blue square represents 2.4% of your screen space. If you'll just look at that and realize that's the number of Jewish people in America. And then understand that 55% of all religious hate crimes are directed to that 2.4%. And that's what kind of got me to thinking. It's like, you know, this is one of those things where, at least as I was growing up, Michelle, we all knew about it. We heard about it. We, you know, we've all heard of the N word, right? Well, in Judaism, there's the K word. I'm not going to repeat it on the air. Um, but, you know, the K word, that's fighting words. <laughs> if someone comes up and calls you that, I've only been called it once in my life. Um, and you know, you kind of grow up with, we don't talk about it. It's out there. We know about it, but we don't talk the about hate? it. You don't talk about the hate? Yeah. Uh, because okay. it will just engender more hate. Oh, uh -huh. <laughs> The pushback to it, right? Right, right. Um, Now, that's my experience. That's not true of everybody. And certainly Robert Kraft didn't do it. But with mine, it's like, let's just be quiet about the whole thing. Um, and with we stand up to it, but you just kind of be quiet with the understanding that you know, I'm American. I was born here. Yeah. My, my dad was born here. I'm second generation. Mm -hmm. But for most of the people my age, they were all born overseas. And mm -hmm. particularly in my family, they come from Russia and Europe and Romania and Ukraine, Latvia, etc. And there's there was always I grew up with my great aunts. Until the day they died, they were afraid Russia was going to come and take them back. That's the kind of fear that you that you live with. Now you couple that with, and you know, it, it kind of I wanted to underscore why this matters. You know, throughout my career, I was born in California, lived in California my whole life, very liberal state. I was raised with be anything you want as long as it's peace, love, and rock and roll, right? Just do anything <laughs> that you want, right? Very, very open 
to, to the LGBTQ community. They, we didn't call it that back then. Very mm -hmm. open to whatever religion you want to be. Very, very no hate. Mm -hmm. And yet, um, I can tell you, I remember the first time I was in uh, fifth grade of all things. Mm -hmm. And a kid came up to me. And I was over at the water fountain, came up to me and said, my grandfather was in Hitler's army. It's too bad he didn't finish it all. <gasps> this is the kind of stuff, right? That you don't realize. Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Um, you don't realize is going on. I've had, I had one person call me the K word. Uh, and that didn't go well after that. Mm -hmm. Um and yet, the, kind of the unspoken part of this is where I kind of wanted to go, which is the beginning of the show here, not to put a downer on any of this, but to real for everybody to realize, you know, what's happening is that a lot of people are revisiting this very old and um, I think silly construct that all Jews are rich, all Jews are smart, and the Jewish people run this secret cabal in Hollywood and in in Washington and in the world. And you've even heard allusions to that concept lately. Uh, it was a big deal decades ago. It's coming back again. And it's it's like, I'm sorry, but somebody forgot to tell me as a card-carrying member of the, of the Jewish religion, somebody forgot to tell me where to sign in to get all this money and all this power and all, all, all this super secret stuff. Okay. Right. It doesn't exist, folks, you know, and and yet and yet I have had people throughout my professional career, uh, particularly as a practicing attorney, call up my firm. And the first question out of their mouth is, is Scott Jewish? Wow. And it's like, now, what do you do with that? Right. What? What? Seriously, what do you do with that? And wow. and when I or my office manager would answer, yes, I'm not going to hide it. Right. Um the response has been even more astounding. Oh, good. I wanted to make sure I got a Jewish lawyer. Wow. See, and that, I'm by cringing. the way, just so you know, guys, that that's a that's just a form of weirdness. It is weird. It's very cringy. Right? It's a bit, yeah. and, the boxes we put people in. And um, so I, I kind of bring that up because it, it is a big deal. And I'm very pleased to say that I'm mm -hmm. seeing a number of, of other organizations, the Buffalo Bills, among others, get on the Robert Kraft bandwagon. Uh, I, I don't know if it's too little, too late. I don't know uh, what it will do. But for those of you, when you start seeing the little blue square, the, emo the emoji, mm -hmm. um, that's what it's about. And the fact is that, yes, we've got the Me Too movement, and we've got Black Lives Matter, and we've got all of these wonderful things. Uh, and I just want everyone to know, it's, right, it's not isolated to those groups. It's just been very vocal and very, right, they're not, it's not, right. two, it's not 2.4% of the population. And so one of the things that Michelle mentioned that I just am fully on board with, and that's, I stand against, it's not just Jewish hate, and it's not just Black Lives Matter issues, and it's not just the LGBTQ community. How about lives matter? And and if we could simply treat each other with more respect and understand we literally all are, are all part of this and that th that these stupid ass conspiracy theories that people have come up with and it continues to proliferate, um, I, you know, you would think that we've gotten beyond that. 
but we haven't. No, I, you know, I, I struggle. Remember a few, a few um, episodes ago in our, in our opening, I mentioned that I'm working on being an anti-racist. Yeah. Um, and I say that because when you grow up Caucasian in a world that's dominated by Caucasians, even if you have a good heart, it's hard not to grow up with prejudice and racism. You just pick it up. Like, I don't want to be held accountable for things that I learned as a child and had to unlearn <laughs> because I'm not proud of them. You know, they're like, oh gosh, Scott, I don't, I don't want to hurt our relationship in any way. But I remember like as a Christian in the Christian doctrine, almost being told like Jewish people were not white. They were oh, Jewish. I, 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 you know, if, if you follow some of that's, you're not offending me, by the way, I've probably okay. heard, I've, I've heard most of this stuff. And there's always, by the way, at least as, again, as I was growing up within the Jewish community, yeah. Again, for me, there was always been this: is Judaism a race, or is it a religion, or is it both? I know, I know. And you know, mm -hmm. what do you do with Sammy Davis Jr., for example, <laughs> who converted? Uh -huh. Who converted? <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg, or my my best friend Wendy, who converted? Yeah, and it's like okay, suddenly, does that make them part of the Jewish race? Um, and so, I there's wow. that, and I will tell you That's a good point. that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I grew up with grandparents who lived in El Monte, and at a very young age, my grandfather took me over. Back then, the uh, Nazis headquarters was in El Monte. Uh -huh. and he drove me over and he said, I just want you to see what still exists in America. And we drove over and there was this huge building with barbed wire around the outside two police cars in front, by the way, with machine guns on top of the police cars aimed at the building. They're just wow. sitting, sitting there. Nazi flags with the swastikas hanging off. The oh, building, my. And a half track in the front yard. This oh, is my. this is the kind of stuff that we grew up with. Uh -huh. And I learned early on that there are some ignorant people who believe that we are what's called mud people, that we're actually really weighed down and that on the, the racial scale, we're not white, that we're not whatever. And it's been very funny because I always remembering that uh -huh. when you get the census and you got to fill out all this stuff and you have to clarify what race you are. Yeah. There's nothing in there that says Jewish. No, 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 no. It's Caucasian. Yeah. And that's what's interesting is like, I'll hear prejudiced people talk about how they can tell if somebody is Jewish and yeah I mean like I mean I, I you can tell you people Ashkenazi Ashkenazi yeah Ashkenazi and and um you know uh, like no my my friends who are Jewish are a plentiful and I would never be able to, I just can't so the re so here so the reality is here, here here's the stereotype and then and then I want to finish this and get into what we're talking about today but here's the stereotype that I think most people are familiar with and that is the people from New York and yes come on but folks. they're New Yorkers they're New Yorkers you, you, my 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 partner <laughs> says you want to know how you can tell if somebody's from New York in the first sentence out of their line they say well I'm from New York <laughs> yeah I mean they're that loud and boisterous and whatever <laughs> and they may they may or may not be Jewish um so yes you're right. not offending me I've heard all kinds of stuff I've heard you but know it's old learning right it's all it is childhood old terrible I mean a lot of this racist 
sexist, homophobia stuff is just ch- childhood learning that well, we have to be accountable unlearned. to unlearn. And, and I think it's important. The reason I wanted to bring it up today is we're moving into the high holy days. Uh, yes. And, you know, we've got Passover coming up and we've got Easter coming up and we've got Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah and yes. all this stuff that's going to be taking place uh, throughout the year. And the reality is, you know, folks, you for, for the rest of you who celebrate Easter, you wouldn't have it without Passover. <laughs> it's like you, you, you can't just suddenly say, you know, He's we're going to ignore that part. <laughs> yeah, Jesus was Jewish. And, um, right, it's a small inconvenience. Um, and, and so I bring that up, which, by the way, is why Easter changes every year. If you've ever wondered, now Christmas based is always, lunar. it's mm-hmm. based on the lunar calendar, which is what the Jewish calendar is based on, mm-hmm. which as the, the, the Jewish holidays change, mm-hmm. those Christian holidays that are dependent on in this case, Passover. Oh, by the way, many of you will, might have heard it called it something else. It's the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can't. It's kind of difficult to have. It's, it's kind of difficult to have Easter without the Last Supper. Uh-huh. Um, and uh-huh. so, if the Last Supper moves, you got to move Easter after it. Uh-huh. Um, so and lots I, of stuff before it too, like yeah, Lent so, moves, and you know, and, and oh, and I am going to my second Passover Seder dinner. Oh, cool. This week, I'm so excited because each stay, one is different. So in, enjoy the matzah. Stay away from the horseradish. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it, what's interesting? The Manischewitz wine is on. There my you go. That's, I, <laughs> I grew up with that. Um, I'll accept it periodically. They made me drink uh, grape juice. Um, <laughs> Welch's grape juice. Um, I, I did want to end this because I don't want this to be d- dark and heavy before we get into our hobby discussion. But I, you know, this is not a new topic. And I, I'm no. going, to, I want to read you a passage from Shakespeare, because Shakespeare even addressed this. <laughs> and he addressed it in Merchant of Venice. And he said, I am a Jew, hath not a Jew eyes, hath not a Jew hands, organs, dimensions, senses, affections, passions, fed with the same food, hurt with the same weapons, subject to the same diseases, healed by the same means, warmed and cooled by the same winter and summer as a Christian is. If you prick us, do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? If you poison us, do we not die? And if you wrong us, shall we not revenge? If we are like you and the rest, we will resemble you in that. If a Jew wrong a Christian, what is his humility? revenge of a christian wrong a jew what should be his sufferance be by christian example why revenge i and he goes on from there i mean and the reality is this is shakespeare folks right this is not new stuff um and i you know my wish for the world at this point is that we we become better for all of this and be be more aware Mm-hmm. All right. I'm, I'm really glad that we talked about it today cuz like like i said it's it's a part of my um, personal growth this year to work on a variety of shedding, shedding of the old prejudices, the old isms. And, and, and when it comes, by the way, to Jewish hate, it's so subtle, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you've got these people that go out and protest, et cetera. It's, it's more insidious than that. Um, it's like these little microaggressions you hear about. And I hate that concept of microaggressions. Really? But it's like when you say, I want a Jewish lawyer, it's like, what do you say? You think like, of it as a compliment, but what I are you know. saying? I know. That's that stuff, that prejudice stuff, even a stereotype 
even with a positive, is still a stereotype and an otherism. Yeah. So. All right. On, on to today. today. Now that we're stressed out, let's now that talk we're about out. how to cope with the stress. <laughs> and, and so, so today we're talking about the power of hobbies. Yes. Something fun, and, and I'm going to kind of follow your lead, Michelle, because I'm going to oh. I'm going to fess up here a, a bit okay. and tell you one of the challenges, Mr. A type personality. I want to control everything. Has had uh, up till now. By the uh -huh. way. I got to the point where I couldn't do anything for fun. Everything I did turned into, how do I monetize this? How do I make this work? How do I incorporate this in my job, et cetera? It became, seriously, um, and I stopped having fun. Yes. Well, that is a great segue because the number of clients or people or colleagues that I've had who've turned their hobby into a profession have often lost the love of their hobby. Yeah. So I've had a colleague who loved to cook, started a food truck in a restaurant, sold it off, hates to cook large vats of anything. Um, I have had people who've turned their woodworking into something, they're building into something. They're, you know, just, yeah. So a hobby Okay, by definition, according to, I don't even know which um, college this is, you State, where are they? Um, okay, so a hobby, by reference, is any activity done regularly during spare time or leisure time for pleasure. Okay, so as soon as you turn a hobby into a business, it's a business, so yeah. it's no longer a hobby, okay? But a hobby can be something creative, athletic, academic, um, something individualized, just something that is meaningful and enjoyable for a person. Sometimes you might make money off of your hobby, but I will tell you that if you lose money at your hobby multiple years in a row, the IRS definitely redefines it as a hobby. <laughs> so you at least have to make a decent amount of money on it from from time to time I, I mean, for the IRS and, to consider it. You know, and and I, I would love I would love for you and I to explore what we still do as hobbies. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, oh yes, you've seen I I do my togetherness beads, right? My mantra beads. Yeah, and uh, it's just so peaceful for me to make these bracelets, these these little jewelry works of art, these miniature versions of the universe, and then I gift them away. So nice, um, and, you yeah. know, and I I just give them to people. And yeah. it, it's, I don't do it all the time. It's not a job. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never charged for these. Um, it's my way of kind of giving back out into the universe. And somebody once said, can I buy them? And I said, no, <laughs> but, I'll give you one, but I'll give you one. Um, and, awesome. I've, and I've shipped them all over the world and it's fun for me. And I've often thought, you know, as soon as I start, if as soon as I were to charge for it, Mm -hmm. It takes the magic away from me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you want to think about a hobby, if, if we're talking about hobbies for stress relief and managing mental health, then it's very different than a business. Okay. But hobbies are so vast. So I, this is an article from uh, Utah state on their mental health education. So they talk about Hobbies can be as simple as spending quiet time alone on a regular basis. 
Um, visiting or eating with others can be a hobby. Um, communing with nature can be a hobby. Playing sports and even vacationing or traveling can be oh, a hobby. Oh, well, you have become an expert vacation hobbyist, haven't well, you? Actually, so then I found this other article from um, an Australian health journal, and it said like 11, no, 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 it was the San Francisco, I, I've done too much, a little too much research. The San Francisco <laughs> Stress and Anxiety Center had an article about 11 hobbies. And would you t- take a guess of the 11, how many of them Michelle does? Well, not knowing what's on the list, I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh reading is in there somewhere working in the garden is in there somewhere travel yes. is in there somewhere uh eating and food is in there somewhere it wasn't on their list but that's another hobby of mine yes i'm just trying to think of all this stuff um, cooking cooking I, you know I, i'm going to i'm going to say something that uh-huh. i don't know if this is a hobby on that list or not but you and i both do that and that's constant education constant yeah. exploration and curiosity mm-hmm. um I would add that to their list. It wasn't on theirs, but it was, it, I, I would add it to their list. I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know. Have I hit some of them? You've hit almost, well, you've hit almost all of them. The only, like I do it in different varieties of time. Cause you know, like stress is present in our lives. Otherwise, why would you and I, Scott, start a podcast called how to keep your shit together in a stressed world? I mean, come and, on. and we don't charge for it. And we don't charge for it. Right. This so is this our is ho- this is, this is, But this is one of our hobbies. This is hobbies and I love it and it really is pleasurable you know just learning is pleasurable even when we're learning about tough stuff it's it feels like growth so anyway the only one I don't do on a regular basis is swimming and I still do some swimming but you know not not regularly but um so is exercise is exercise continued considered a hobby um they listed swimming specifically because of its uh, application to stress and yoga okay. specifically because of its application to stress, walking and hiking. So those were the four exercises that they specifically listed as having some research behind them for stress management. The reason I ask this is that for purposes of this show, I'm willing to bet, I just learned something, that mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that we do, right? So I go on walking meditations or I use my labyrinth, et cetera. Yes. Um, that they are things we take for granted, but don't yes. realize that they're actually wellness producing and wholeness making hobbies. Yes, yes. They also listed coloring. Oh, drawing. Um, one of our live listeners said art for me. I started drawing now. Yes, yeah. drawing, art, coloring was specifically on their list. Coloring. During during my recovery, I will tell uh-huh. you, even as even as late as yesterday people have been sending me coloring books yes. and and my sister actually yes. sent me who who was on the show recently she actually sent me she said this will remind you of our childhood and she I sent me this it. gigantic box of freaking crayons crayons oh see so coloring now i i told you i into the pandemic and still paint by number is something that i like to do as well as regular painting but because painting and drawing can sometimes accumulate stuff and I have this whole balance of trying to not accumulate stuff there's some apps on your phone that you can color and I, love, I don't know why I love these dang things but they're so <laughs> soothing to me um I use two of them one is called zen color it's free you just have to deal with an app here and there 
and happy color. I like them both. So if you, you know, just feel like coloring on your phone or you're sitting at the doctor's office, you know, it's, it's like a paint by number, but wait, on wait. Your phone. do you color in or out of the lines? Well, it, the electronic version makes you color in the lines. So, oh. but when I color personally, I color outside the lines <laughs> and blend like any paint. There you go. Of course. But they also listed puzzling, which is a habit I picked up during the pandemic. The idea that, you know, you could start something and complete something and solve something and it's beautiful. And if you don't have a lot of room in your home, there are also puzzling apps. Oh, I'm a huge, (laughs) I'm a huge Sudoku fan. Well, there's the number puzzling, but then there's also like picture puzzles, um, trying to find some of them on my phone right now but they're not they're not popping up but there's like jigsaw puzzle apps that you could put a puzzle together and uh what else did they say gardening of course i just mentioned at the beginning that gardening and when they didn't say they said journaling my journaling is sometimes poetry so i guess that might get lumped in that category but the the point is like you can have anything can be a hobby if you enjoy it, if it brings you pleasure, if it's something you can fit into your spare time, and it helps with stress management in a variety of ways. So, um, you know, there's lots of research about it, but I wanted to encourage those of you that don't have a hobby or 25 of them like me, because I get bored, then pick up one, (laughs) pick up one and just experiment with them. And if you're done with that, like, being with Brian during the pandemic was so strange because I watched him go from learning how to play ukulele, puzzling with me. Now he's on like master bread loaf maker is his latest hobbies. Like he makes fresh bread and like we're talking like he, he grows the yeast and all that. Yeah. Well, he has like a, what they call a, a sourdough starter or something. Yeah. So, so you're grow, you're yeast. growing an organism in your house. Yeah. Yeah. He grew the yeast and then he makes Fresh loaves wow. of bread. <laughs> you know, oh, it's bad for me and it's so good for me. But anyway, he, you know, that's his latest one. But he's done everything from we've done video gaming, puzzling, you know, and it's just it's a practice we picked up during the pandemic, and I really enjoy it. It's so for me and my work with clients being so heavy, you know, it's just yeah. it's perfect that we started with such a heavy topic today. And now we're talking about how to de-stress because that is a balance that I go through every day. I'm in the heavy with people that I'm working with, and then I need to shed it somehow. And it's, it's yeah. part of my well-balance. Any thoughts from you or well, how you uh, use hobbies? Yeah, um, I've never thought about it as stress release. It's very interesting, despite the fact that we're doing this show. Uh-huh. Um, I have always looked at it as, I mean, you know, I'm a big believer of the renaissance brain and this the whole you know what did da vinci do and what did michelangelo do and the all these people that were just so massively creative and had so many interests all at the same time and it's like well what exactly do you call da vinci was he an inventor was he a sculptor was he an artist what what was he well he was all of that and so i i've always likened what i do to 
I just like new stuff. I'm insatiably curious. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's kind of what you're saying with Brian. Well, today I might decide to go do more energy work and then I'm going to figure out a, a better way to work out until I can get back to my normal routine. And, oh, I like to eat too. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Michelle and I have periodically off air discussed different uh, food techniques and how to do things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just little things. It's, you know, at one point, I, I've said this, I've got a, a, a giant labyrinth in my backyard. Yeah, um, that's a working you know, art. The, and the lamp, and particularly after yesterday, I'll explain in a minute, uh, you know, the landscaper came in, dropped literally three to four tons of rocks in the backyard and said, go oh. have, go have at it. Um, oh. And so I'm, you know, rock, every, every rock was hand placed by me back there into yeah. this giant soothing. It was so soothing to be able yeah. to to lay these out and of course the kids came over grandkids came over yesterday and we did an early easter egg hunt ah. and unbeknownst to me i couldn't go out and do that with my knee unbeknownst to me <laughs> the easter bunny put some of the eggs in the labyrinth oh boy oh. and so when our <laughs> when our our youngest granddaughter who's just just learning to walk went to the labyrinth forget the Easter eggs. Let's just pick up rocks and start moving them around and throwing oh, them. No. And, and it's like, you know, at some point I'll go back out there and move them around again. We have wild animals that go back there and move some of the rocks Ooh, around thanks. as they walk yeah. through. And it's just so soothing to go out there and whisper to the rocks. It just, it's yeah. no other way to say it. So I know I talk uh, to my plants. Yeah. They I say, mean, it, research says they grow better. My rocks do. <laughs> um, you know, the one thing that I have found, and I've said this about many things, and that is, if you want to go back and find some truly passionate hobbies, is go back to what you liked as a kid. What did yes. you enjoy doing? Well, for me personally, I loved making, taking old pots and pans outside and making mud, mud cooking. And so no wonder I like yeah. cooking, you know, periodically. I'm not as good as it as I'd like to be, but, but yeah, that that's one of the things. Coloring was a big thing, a dress up and play and um, games and things like that were all kid, kid related things, puzzles. Yeah. I was like, you know, I, stimulated in my now brain. That, now that you say that I was a big uh, rocket ship. Oh builder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Of course they were refrigerator boxes and things like that, but <laughs> You know, literally, I wanted to be an astronaut, so I built yeah. space. I built spaceships. Yes. You know, they had to hold the cockpit. Everything was inside it. It was this wonderful, and I could go in there, and my imagination could roam free. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even if you did things like that, at one point, we, uh, God knows what it looked like from the air, mm -hmm. but at one point when the grandkids were younger, uh, my wife and I primarily, and my wife went and got these giant refrigerator boxes and built them an entire city to play in in the backyard mm -hmm. of the That's house amazing. here um and it was freaking fun mm -hmm. you know she was putting them together and creating she was doing the 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 planning yes and i was basically doing the artistic designing on the outside of the building um, <laughs> And so, of you know, it's, it's little things like that, that I invite all of the listeners to do is go, yeah. what did you do when you were little? You know, I still write poetry. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've moved it into, I write sonnets, but I've, I've, I write poetry. I draw, um, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I journal in my own weird way, but right. uh, it's, it's just 
And I think for me, the thing is, I'm not thinking about it competing with anybody. I'm mm -hmm. not thinking about it having to be perfect. It's literally, I've, I've heard, it, I've heard um, a, a wonderful description of it put this way. When you're playing music, for any of you who play music, yes. Um, when you're playing music, the idea isn't to see how quickly you can get through the song. The idea is to play the music. And that's what a hobby is like for yeah. me. Yeah. You know, if I make a bracelet and it takes me three weeks, so be it. It can doesn't take, matter. It can take me 20 minutes. It can take me three weeks. It can be, yep. I've still got a couple that are like, yeah, something's just not right here. And yep. it's like, I don't care because I don't know what I'm going to do with them. It's complete. The outcome uh -huh. or essential use of whatever this is, is completely irrelevant. Yes. Yes. So just a couple little research tips to entice people a little bit more. Um, there was a study done that specifically art, any kind of art, you don't have to be an artist. You don't have to have prior experience in engaging in art, but they did a study that showed 75% of participants' cortisol levels, the stress hormone in the brain, um, were lowered after making something artistic. Wow. So they it lowers cortisol, which helps. That's a sign that your stress is reduced. In New Zealand, they, you know, engaging in a creative activity in New Zealand led to improved sense of well-being that had lasting events. Participants felt higher positive affect or mood, positive mood, a sense of flourishing for days after they were engaged in a creative activity. So creative activities are anything that creates something. It doesn't have to be art. It can be writing. It can be playing with popsicle sticks, gardening, it can be cooking. Um, another study showed that adults who regularly participate in some kind of team sport so if your hobby is a team sport of some kind, they are less likely to experience depression, anxiety, or stress. And then they found um, another study that said as little as 10 minutes in nature can lead to improved mood, focus, and overall well-being, reducing your heart rate, reducing your blood pressure, and reducing your stress. So, so that, that, bring, mm -hmm. that brings me up to something I've started. It's a brand new hobby. I have started bird watching. I think it makes me officially old. <laughs> or nerdy. <laughs> but but I, I, I literally now have, I have binoculars and I, and we've got, you know, the trees have gone through all their stuff now and we've got bird baths in the backyard. And yeah, it's like, I'm watching the fat little birds and I'm watching the big fat birds and I'm watching the skinny little birds and the hawks up above and the, the turkey vultures. And uh, it's just an, it, it's just amazing. Yes. I love it. I, love I think it. that's a hobby, right? That is, it is. And I want to know as you continue this hobby, if you can name some of the birds that you're seeing, because I, for the first time, get red birds, cardinals in the backyard. I never used to get cardinals in Los Angeles and they're so gorgeous. Yeah. So it's really fun. Um, some of their tips, some of the Utah State's tips were Rather than trying to find time every day to do a hobby, try thinking in terms of weeks. So spend a little time each week finding some hidden space in your schedule and dedicate a few hours to trying something you enjoy 
and see, you know, feel free to take a step back and say no, or keep moving forward. Um, if there's a couple times in the day where you find yourself in autopilot, where you lose track of things, doing mindless things like checking social media or watching television, tune into how you're spending your downtime. And if it's morning or evening, consider how you might indulge in something else besides mindless social media checking or watching television. Because while that can be a hobby, if it's, you know, way high, your screen time is up according yeah. to your Apple device, work on decreasing your screen device or your screen time. And then research also, you know, right from the Mayo Clinic, micro breaks during the workday help increase productivity overall. When I was managing a team, I actually pulled in very, during a really stressful time, I ordered some puzzles and had them on a back desk space. And I encouraged people while they were getting their water or their coffee to just take 10 minutes, set a timer and do a couple puzzle pieces. And I saw my team's creative, um, not creativity, their production time went up. I didn't do it to make them more productive. It just happened that that was the byproduct. It was the byproduct because they just felt like, oh, they got to focus their brain on something non-work related. So that's my, some of my suggestions that I found in the research. There's lots of good research about using your leisure time wisely. In the few minutes we have left, I'm I'm going to share uh, for for those of you who might be interested. um, I think many of you know, I am a magician, sleight of hand among others. And, um, you know, there are very few of us who actually make money performing, yeah, right? Yeah. That's not the issue. Um, there, there are a far greater number of people that we call hobbyists, no pun yeah. intended. And they, these are people who are interested in magic. You have no interest in performing on a stage and being the next David Copperfield or Houdini or somebody like that. You know, that's just a weird thing in some of our brains. Some, most of you grew out of that. Um, and for those of you who like the puzzle aspect, like the intrigue, maybe you want to do a coin trick, maybe you want to do a card trick, maybe you just want to learn how to read minds for fun, you know, and it's like something cool that you got, you don't ever, you don't ever have to show anybody anything, but you've got it in your back pocket, so to speak, if you show up at a party, there are so many Mm -hmm. books on the market now through Amazon and others, uh, where you can learn some really great stuff. I actually, one of my first magic books, I think it's still available, was called The Amateur Magician's Handbook by Henry Hay. Uh, but in today's world, we now have books by a gentleman, unfortunately, he's now passed on, by the name of Mark Wilson. You've got the Mark Wilson Course in Magic. Uh, Joshua J has a wonderful book on magic, that you can do. As a matter of fact, I just recommended this to somebody uh, who is working with kids and needed some way to get their attention and keep their Uh interest going. And he said, it'd be kind of cool if I could just do a couple tricks. Can you recommend something? So I urge any of you go to Barnes and Noble, go to Amazon, go to whatever your favorite book provider is. And you, the skill levels for some of these effects, these tricks, these illusions is so low. Again, you don't have to be slight. It doesn't have to be slight of hand. And, you know, some of the stuff I do, they are slight free. It is more just understanding the mystique behind this. 
and that could become a hobby for some of you as well. And uh, I, it, it would be kind of fun, I think, for you, those of you who remember what it was like as a kid and you saw a magician um, to say, hey, maybe I could do that too. That's kind of cool. I, I just figured it took so many years of well, forever it, and ever and ever. And It used to be that the art was a, a very closely held secret right ah. you had the you had the brick and mortar shops uh very few of these brick and mortar magic stores even exist anymore and you know now again you go on amazon type in amateur magic and boom there it is wow. it's all there for you you just have to practice it so it's it it's not that you're going to become professional that would take years yeah. but you can certainly learn this stuff and have fun and it keeps your mind young and it keeps you engaged and it yeah. keeps you having fun too yes I agree. And, and when we talk about longevity issues in terms of brain health, right? Um, certain hobbies help with your physical health, like engaging in sporting activities, golfing, tennis, et cetera. Other hobbies, puzzling, magic, gaming, help with your mental, your brain power and prevention of dementia and slowing the brain's natural deterioration as you age. So there's a lot of good benefits, not just not just for stress and well-being, but for physical and brain health. Well, again, it's not. I don't expect everybody to do this, but one of my hobbies, uh -huh. um, I've incorporated it into my my magic act. But one of my hobbies is doing Rubik's cubes, and ah, puzzling and, and, and you and and it's exactly puzzling and movement. And I got to the point where pre-surgery. Uh, I got pretty good at doing and solving a Rubik's cube one-handed and right. <laughs> so you sit there and do the whole thing. And, and it was, it's just me. I wasn't doing it for anybody. I'm, <laughs> I'm literally, it's my way. And it was very fascinating, Michelle, that post-surgery, uh -huh. I could literally track how the anesthesia was starting to wear off, how the loopiness from the Norco was starting to wear off as I watched my inability to even do this damn thing that I was oh. so that I was so good at. I mean, I I could I could solve a Rubik's cube fairly quickly, but post surgery, it took me a while to get back to this thing, and um, it was kind of interesting that at one point my wife actually said to me, "There's that sound. I haven't heard that in a while." That's because, so sweet. Because it's yeah, yes. yes. I only know it because that was another hobby Brian picked up during there you uh, go. during the pandemic. He learned to solve them. There you Sky. go. And all available online, by the way, folks. Mm -hmm. And if you and again, then you get into what's called speed cubing. Um, and if you ever, if you want to see some really cool stuff, go on Netflix and look up speed cubing on Netflix and see what these kids who are doing this as a hobby. They're not getting money for this. Get, I mean, these are just they're just fascinated by the 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 oh, puzzle yeah. part of it yep yeah i'm having a little chat about talking to planets uh, plants uh, plants like one of I, I saw no, plants no. over i talked to i talked to planets you talked to plants <laughs> yeah both yeah i said planets but but plants i was having a chat on the side here with uh some research shows that plants are screaming when they're stressed 
Oh, and sure. talking to them does good. And I was commenting that this weekend when I was transplanting, I bought this Home Depot like basil and they were all tied together. And I was just like, as the roots, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> hang in there, hang in there. Welcome to your new home. Welcome to your new home. Well, hoping when they would be kind to me. We have a grove. And I we guess we can end on this from time <laughs> perspective. When we, we have a grove, right? And yes. we harvest periodically. And every, every single piece of fruit that I, that I take off the tree, I thank, thank the tree for it. Aww. Everyone. Oh, we are so alike, Scott. We are so alike. Brian maybe we should do a, maybe we should do a podcast. Brian and he's like, why are you talking to the fruit? Like, why not? Oh, thank you for your life. <laughs> so strange the things that we do that are so okay. we should do a podcast on what what was that that you said no on i said you said we're so, we, you said no you said we're so much alike i said maybe we should do a podcast <laughs> all right yes. ne next next week uh we will be live with you again and our show is kind of an extension actually of today uh, and we're going to talk about unplugging and recharging, and we're going to give you our tips for taking a digital detox. That's right. That's right. Even your computer needs to reset yep. and get unplugged. We're going to teach you how to control all delete yourself. That's right. Clean out that RAM. <laughs> all right. Do us a favor. This is our hobby. Help us yes. grow our hobby. <laughs> like, like, share, you know, follow us on, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We will continue doing this and joining you every Monday, mostly live. Uh, we do have a few shows coming up that will be uh, recorded just because we got some scheduling challenges, but for the mm -hmm. most part, we'll be here with you live. Uh, anything you want to end on, Michelle, that we mm. haven't covered? No, I think we covered it well. I would just love to hear for those of you that are part of our Facebook group or you're a listener, chime in and tell us what your hobbies are that you're discovering and, and keep us in the loop if you want to hear a particular topic covered. Perfect. Mm -hmm. All right. With that, thank you all for being here. I appreciate it. Go out and make it a hobby-filled day. <laughs> Yay. Bye-bye. Bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your together in a stressed world with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.